Number one mistake is not having a clear target for your resume. As we said, you know, people think of their resume mm -hmm. as just kind of a formality. Um, and in, in a certain way, that's kind of what it was like in our parents' generation. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you could ever say that it was fully like that, but, um, you know, our parents tell stories of like, oh, I sent my resume out to, you know, a hundred places. You can't do that anymore. Every epic adventure needs a treasure map, and every career journey needs a purpose and strategy. So let's take this trek together. This is your career GPS. Welcome back to Your Career GPS, the podcast designed to help teens, young adults, students, and new grads navigate their personal career journey. Just a reminder before we get started today that if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe and follow uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review, and also don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Your Career GPS Podcast and also on YouTube now. The past few episodes, we've been diving into job searching, talking about the hidden job market, ways to enhance the value of networking, and embracing the twists and turns that our careers can and often do take. Today, we're continuing to focus on job searching, and we'll be diving into a really practical conversation with our guest today that I'm so excited for about resumes and the common mistakes that we all make with resumes. This is definitely an episode where you may want to pull out a piece of paper and a pen to jot some notes down, um, or maybe even have your resume up and handy so that you can be looking at it as we're chatting. So with that, I'll let Brad introduce our guest today. You know, if there is one common concern that I get from students day in and day out, it is how to write a resume. It, it's, it just seems to be a, a bit of an epidemic, and it's not exclusive to students. I mean, uh, job seekers, no matter where they're at in their own personal career journeys, have, have struggled with this as well. And so today we have an, a, a fantastic guest I'm so excited to interview today. Um, we have Daniel Lorenzo with us, who is the marketing director for Let's Eat Grandma, where he helps ambitious professionals land their dream jobs by equipping them with better resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles. Let's Eat Grandma has helped over 4,000 job seekers with their resume rewrites and downloadable resources, they, and they've been named the best resume writing service of 2020 and 2021 by the notable career blog, The Balance. Daniel loves that he gets to use his talents to turn job searching from one of the most stressful tasks in life into something manageable and even empowering. A journalism graduate from the University of Denver, he currently resides in the Mile High City, where you can likely find him making music, hiking, and getting way too competitive with his roommates in Super Smash Brothers. I love it. <laughs> so, Daniel, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. So, Daniel, we're so excited to dive into this, and hopefully you can help smash some of these common misconceptions, common roadblocks, and that's the title of the episode, Roadblock, because they are, they really, really are for so many students that are just starting out their careers and really frustrated by, you know, how do I crack the code? How do I get into um, the eyes of recruiters and hiring managers that look at look at resumes and and you know what's the secret formula? How do I make this work? So, before we dive into all of those logistical things, I want our listeners who are maybe unfamiliar with you and Let's Eat Grandma to uh, maybe talk a little bit about your background and how you found your way into your current yeah, career. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, again, thank you guys uh, so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. So yeah, I'm currently the marketing director for Let's Eat Grandma. Um, and so uh, if that name is throwing you off, uh, you haven't heard the if you haven't heard the grammar joke that we're based off of. It's a joke about the importance of commas. Um, if you're asking your grandma to eat and you say, hey, let's eat, grandma. Um, if you forget the comma, you're saying, let's eat grandma, which is a completely different thing. And we don't want to support that. We are not cannibals. Um, <laughs> we're much more excited about, um, we're much more excited about grammar than about cannibalism. So, um, and so if commas are that important, if they're important enough that they can save lives, they can transact, help you land a better job. Um, so that is what we do. Um, so at Let's Eat Grandma, I help job seekers write better resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles. And as the marketing director, primarily what I do is I create and manage content um, across um, social podcasts like this, um, blogs, and various other channels. Um, and yeah, I um, I really love that I get to kind of demystify the job search process. And as you said, kind of empower people. Um, I get to use my creativity to do something that really tangibly impacts people's lives. Um, and that is basically how I found my way into this career. Um, I'm a somewhat recent graduate myself. Um, so in college, I majored in music. Um, then eventually I switched over to journalism. That's the degree I created with, uh, degree I graduated with. I knew I wanted to do something with writing. And I knew I wanted to do something that helped people. Um, and so after college, I bounced around a little bit. Um, I did a couple of service opportunities, um, including one where I was actually living living in a homeless shelter in the Bronx, uh, volunteering, uh, which is an amazing experience. So um, once I got out of that, I knew that helping people and I knew that writing and being creative um, were two priorities that I really wanted from my career. Um, and funny enough, I actually just stumbled into a job where I got to do both. Um, I like to share the story of how I ended up in this job um, because it's kind of a networking success story. Um, I asked the founders of the company, Matt and Chris Villanueva, uh, they're childhood friends of mine, so I asked them when I was looking for a job, hey, can you guys review my resume? And just as it happens, they reviewed my resume. And not only did they have feedback for me, they actually said, hey, you know, we, we want to offer you a job with this experience that you have. <laughs> so I started as a blog manager job, wow. um, that, uh, which is a position that had not existed yet. Um, it was a position they were looking to invent. Um, so I started kind of part-time with that and then worked my way through various other positions um, and kind of grown with the company eventually now uh, to where I am overseeing all of the marketing. So, yeah. Wow. What a great story. And like you said, a great networking success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of circling back to that story and to your resume and needing to make some updates on that, you know, Brad and I both work with a lot of college students and young professionals and job seekers in general, like resume writing is just a challenge for a lot of people. Um, do you have any insight on why you think it's so complicated and why it's for a lot of people just not fun to like update and edit their resume? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's not fun. Um, and I don't blame anybody who thinks that, you know, I, I, <laughs> I do this and I work in a company with people who do this for a living and it's, it's not always a blast. Um, I think the biggest reason that people have a problem with it um, is simply because we're, we're not always taught how to do it in school. Um, this is kind of, I think it goes back to the classic refrain that people kind of kind of repeat, you know, that school teaches you everything except what you need to learn, except what you need to learn how to be an adult, you know, except how to do taxes and find a job and whatnot. Um, um, but it kind of goes into a, uh, a deeper level there um, that we're not necessarily taught and a lot of people struggle with selling themselves because um, at the end of the day, people kind of view their resume as a formality, right? They view their resume as just a, a 
ticket, you know, that you kind of have to present to get a job, but it's not, it's a sales pitch. Um, it's a sales pitch. It's a marketing tool. Um, and that's something that, you know, I will even say about myself, you know, a lot of people really struggle with bragging about themselves and not just bragging about themselves, but doing that in a way that a company is going to receive well. Um, you know, so not just bragging about yourself, but bragging about yourself strategically, you might say. <laughs> so that's one reason. Then I think another reason is also that applying is a very holistic process, um, applying for a job. There's so many factors and so many um, options on a resume that that really trips people up. Um, you know, there are very few one size fits all rules with a resume. Um, and it's all about as we're going to talk about, it's all about, you know, what's most relevant to your career and the job that you're applying to. So having that many options, um, you know, what should my summary look like? How many bullet points? I think that many options overwhelms people, not to mention that there are a lot of kind of outdated options floating around there. Uh, resumes are very dynamic documents and they've changed a lot in the past I mean, the past 10 years, you might even say in the past five years. Um, and so there's some outdated advice out there, like, you know, using an objective statement or maybe, you know, die hard, keeping it to one page. Um, so there's a lot of advice floating around, a lot to sift through. You know, one of the things that you said there in the very beginning that I thought about, it really resonated with me a lot, um, being a certified resume writer, is um, a couple of weeks ago, we had the privilege of interviewing Kyle Elliott, um, who's made quite a career. And really, his career started from writing resumes for people freelance. And, you know, he just posted something pretty recently, which I thought was like really impactful. And he, and he said, you know, writing resumes is just kind of so-so for me. I don't, I don't love it. You know, it's really more, I love the impact that it provides for other people. And I thought that was so cool that, you know, even people like us who do this for a living and who, who work on it, we don't really <laughs> find it enjoyable sometimes. So I think that's a, that's a very human statement there that, that you made. So yeah, I really appreciate that. I saw that post that. too. Kyle's, um, Kyle's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I, I guess we want to dive into today uh, that you can really help us peel back some layers on is really these common mistakes. And, you know, you, you've you targeted a couple that you wanted to speak about, but I was really hoping you could take our listeners through probably what are the biggest roadblocks that they need to avoid? Yeah, absolutely. I would say there are, uh, for our purposes here, there are probably three most common resume mistakes that, um, that I see and that we see at my company. Um, and these are three common mistakes, I think, especially for recent graduates. Um, these, these can trip up anybody, but, you know, for people who are still in college or just getting out of college, applying for their first job, I think these are three that often come up a lot. And the first one is very universal. Um, and I would say this is it's tough to say, but I think this might be the biggest or the most common mistake. And that number one mistake is not having a clear target for your resume. As we said, you know, people think of their resume mm -hmm. as just kind of a formality. Um, and in, in a certain way, that's kind of what it was like in our parents' generation. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you could ever say that it was fully like that, but, um, you know, our parents tell stories of like, oh, I sent my resume out to, you know, a hundred places. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> I think, right. uh, yeah. People don't think, don't realize before they're working on their resume that you have to have a target. You have to know what kind of jobs you're going to apply for. Um, and you have to sell yourself as the best candidate for not just any job, but the best candidate for that job. Um, if you want to stand out among the other dozens or even hundreds of applicants, you, you can't just have you know, a bare list of qualifications. That's a formality. You have to have something that sells you as the perfect fit for those qualifications. 
right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think recent graduates sometimes get kind of desperate, um, which I know I was, and they kind of take a throw everything against the wall and see what sticks approach to their resume. You know, I don't know if you guys would agree with. Yeah, yeah. you guys probably agree with what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 100%. Kind yes. of this asset of like, yes. oh, I have to beef up my resume. You know, I have to just get as much as I can on there in the hopes that something will be impressive. And that doesn't work. That just gives you a bloated resume um, that a recruiter is going to look at and they're going to see, I, I don't know what sense to make out of this. You know, your qualifications that don't mean, you know, your qualifications, your extracurriculars that maybe don't mean anything to them are lumped in with the qualifications that are mm-hmm. perfect for the job. And they might not see the qualifications that are perfect for the job because there's right. just so much fluff on there. Right. Um, so, yeah, not yep. having a clear yep. target is probably the biggest mistake. So absolutely before you start working on your resume, um, have some jobs in mind, you know, do some deep thinking and deep research into um, what are my skills? You know, what are the top skills that I want to bring to a job? um, And what are the jobs out there? And what is it that they're looking for? You know, um, so do that and then write your resume with that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love that. I always think about, I don't know if there's any Friends fans listening, but I always think about the Friends episode where Rachel prints like a hundred and something resumes and they have a whole train of people stuffing envelopes and then they realize there's a typo <laughs> on it. Um, and just like very much something that people used to do, right? You'd, you'd send out physically mail uh, resumes and now like you would you would never do that now, right. you know? Game has absolutely changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. And so the... Uh, the second biggest mistake I see is is kind of related. Um, it's the two and three are kind of related to that first point in different ways. Um, number two, I think one of the biggest things I, I see with recent graduates um, is including irrelevant info, um, particularly hobbies, extracurriculars, and things from high school. Um, uh, yeah. None of those things mm-hmm. are necessarily, like I said at the beginning, you know, there are almost no hard and fast, you know, absolutely black and white rules on resumes. Um, but the, so, you know, the vast majority of the time though, um, these three things are usually not relevant to the job. Um, they're usually not necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with high school jobs, I don't need to know that you were a lifeguard when you were 15. That, that, (laughs) that doesn't matter on your resume. Your resume has (laughs) very limited space and so you have very precious real estate. Um, so you don't really need to go in depth with things that are way in the past, right? Um, especially from before college, because college is so formative and it's so impressive that you even got through it. Um, There's so much more that's relevant to your career Mm -hmm. within the span of those four or five, six, however many years. Um, You're applying for your first job out of college. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, incredibly unlikely you know unless you won some like massive national like young entrepreneurs award in high school or something like that um with very 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 few exceptions Mm -hmm. um you don't want stuff from high school same thing goes for extracurriculars sometimes there are going to be i I see a lot of really kind of like bloated education sections um and i know this because my resume was like that my first resume was like that i listed every club i was involved in um and I thought, right. you know, I was thinking like, oh, this is good. This shows that I'm really involved and kind of manage time well. Um, and to a certain degree, it can. Um, but just make sure you're really discerning with what all you're putting on there. Um, there are some extracurriculars. First, you know, as always, is this relevant to the job? You know, for instance, I'm applying for, you know, I'm applying for a videographer position, you know, or like a I'm applying to be 
you know, I'm applying for like a writing internship with a with a film and media review magazine. You know, for something like that, maybe something like Film Club. You know, maybe if you were the president of the Film Club, you know, maybe that would be kind of relevant. Again, it all depends on the situation. But you know, if you're just applying to be an account manager at at a sales firm and you showed up to two film club meetings, you know, film club doesn't really need to be on there. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, there's <laughs> ask yourself whether um, your involvement really made, made a difference, made a tangible difference to your career um, that is going to inform someone on why they should hire you. Right. And the same logic applies to hobbies. Right. right? Um, nobody's going to pick your resume over another because you like snowboarding. You know, um, <laughs> like I, I always feel like such a downer when I tell people not to include their hobbies because it's like, oh, but I want to show, you know, that I'm more than just a piece of paper. I want to show my personality. And yes, you do. Those things are all fantastic. Um, but you show those in the personal connections that you make. Um, you show those in your networking. You can show that on your LinkedIn profile, maybe even a little bit in your cover letter. You know, those are all the things that flesh you out more as a person. Um, and not to say that your resume can't show personality. Um but when you use up space to do something like hobbies, um, you have to think of the initial recruiter scan. Um, when your resume, when you first submit your resume, um, if it's in a pile with, you know, again, dozens or hundreds of other candidates, the recruiter's first scan through resumes is showing who meets the basic qualifications for the job. You know, if you don't meet the required qualifications from the job on your resume, they're really looking to weed out as many as possible. Um, so in that initial stage, you know, think about what your resume is meant to do, right? Um, when you're breaking through that initial stage, your hobbies really aren't going to do that. You know, or a recruiter might go, oh, cool. They like snowboarding. I like snowboarding. You know, that's not going to be a light bulb moment of like, oh, I should pick this one. <laughs> you know, it's going to be like, oh, they like snowboarding. Cool. How many years of relevant experience do they have? <laughs> yeah. so. Yes, right, right. Yeah. I think that thought process of, you know, when a recruiter looks at a resume and kind of weeding through, because that is such a, you know, that is like kind of the first roadblock to get through is like, can you get past that first stage of review? And I think that brings us to a really relevant question around applicant tracking systems and other systems that are going to kind of take care of that first initial review. And I know I get a lot of questions about ATS systems, and I feel like there's a lot of misinformation and misconceptions around these systems. Um, but can you talk a little bit about them and how you can ensure that a resume stands out, you know, when it is being scanned as well as when it finally gets to the human eye? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked. This is one of my favorite topics to to talk about. Like, I get so excited when I get to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I get so excited when I get to like kind of get up on my soapbox about ATS. As you said, Cassie, there's a ton of misinformation. Um, and ATS really, really is not a big of a deal as it seems. Um, and I want to start with just the, the fundamental kind of principle for your listeners. Um, that's something that... And I'm starting to see it addressed more in the thought leadership, um, in the thought leadership around our industry, more people kind of talking about this and um, correcting false assumptions. An ATS almost never actually rejects your resume. Everything an ATS does is set up by a human recruiter. Um, the Virtually the only time, mm -hmm. and we just need to get that straight, it seems like a kind of a semantic thing, but it actually is a really important nuance. Mm -hmm. The only time an ATS will straight up reject your application, or virtually the only time, because every ATS is different, every recruiter is different, but generally speaking, virtually the only time you'll get rejected before a human is allowed to see it is if you answer incorrectly on one of the knockout questions that are on the application form. 
Um, so you guys have probably seen, you know, listeners, you've probably seen um, those application forms that have those questions like, you know, do you have a driver's license? Are you legally authorized to work in the U.S.? Yeah. You know, if you answer incorrectly, if you don't answer with what they're looking for on those questions, then yes, your ATS, the ATS will probably auto-reject your application because you had no business applying for that job in the first place, right? <laughs> like, you know, those are all right, like very right, right, basic right. things that you should be able to yeah. tell from the job posting. I'm not going to get this job, right? That's virtually the only time the ATS will kind yeah. of do anything on its own. Beyond that, I like to encourage people mm -hmm. to think of the ATS as like a filing cabinet or like a search engine. Um, that's I recommend a great resource mm -hmm. on this topic is a recruiter named Amy Miller. I'd really recommend looking her up on YouTube and LinkedIn. Uh, she she's the one I got the filing cabinet metaphor from. Um, so it's more like assuming you pass through those knockout questions, your application doesn't get auto rejected. Um, you go into typically speaking, and again, to emphasize, you know, every ATS is different. Um, Typically speaking, you go into uh, a database, basically, um, where the recruiter is able to, they're able to view all of the applications. Um, they're also able to search through all the applications. So and that's where we get into um, mm -hmm. where it really matters to ATS optimize your resume um, is because the ATS, what it does is it, what many of them do is they take info both from your resume and from those awful redundant application forms you have to fill out. It's <laughs> pro tip, fill those out. Like I know they're a pain <laughs> in the butt, but that's actually for your benefit yes. from the ATS. They right. parse those into fields right. um, mm -hmm. so that um, yeah. they parse those into fields so that the recruiter can view all of the applications in kind of a uniform um, way um, that, parses, that parses the text mm -hmm. so that it gets mm -hmm. an entry in the database. And then from then, what that enables recruiters to do is search through applications. And so this is where we get into keywords. Um, mm -hmm. So again, with every recruiter being different, many recruiters will tell you they actually do read through every resume, um, or they at least read through them in the order that they come in. Um, but what ATS allows them to do, especially for jobs with a ton of applicants, is search using keywords. Um, and so the keywords that they're going to search for are keywords that you want in your resume. What does that come down to? the key qualifications for the job. And where do you find those? In the job posting, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so say for an example, you know, say yep. I'm in yep. Denver, say I'm looking for a software engineer in Denver with experience coding in Python. I might dump something into the search bar, mm -hmm. software engineer, Denver, Python, <laughs> you know? So then resumes and applications will mm -hmm. come up that have those terms in them. Um, so you want to make sure you have mm -hmm. keywords that are in the job description, such as the position title, the location, um, and any key hard skills that are mentioned, you know, like we mentioned there with coding languages, same with software, you know, if it, if it says like, you know, must be proficient in Hootsuite or equivalent, you know, you better make sure you have Hootsuite or mm -hmm. parentheses, you know, equivalent to Hootsuite in your resume. Um, and so basically that makes your mm -hmm. resume more searchable in the ATS, makes it more likely to be discovered quicker in the ATS, which is ultimately a benefit for you. Um, but like I said, there are some recruiters who really read through every resume. Um, so basically just the, the cautionary tale there is don't always blame it on the ATS. Um, optimize your resume with keywords. Yes, absolutely. But don't stuff it with keywords to the point where it's going to be incomprehensible by a human. I've read resumes like that. And it's awful. Yeah. I can't read them. Recruiters can't read them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, such an important note. I feel like that's it. so many people's go to is like, oh, well, let me change everything. I've worked so hard to update my resume. Now let me change every word in here to match the job description. And I'm often like, whoa, whoa, we need to find a balance, right? Like there's some mm -hmm. tweaks we can make to optimize it, but we don't have to like 
wipe out all these really good bullet points that we already wrote just to put yes, some keywords Yes, in. exactly. Um, I love that you use the word tweak there, yes. Cassie. That's, that's really what it's about. Think about it as tweaks rather than writing a whole new resume. Yeah. And one of the things that I so appreciate about what you just said is that you really simplified that um, for our listeners. And and frankly, you simplified it for me, too, because I think one of the things that you know, tends to happen so much, and I know that Cassie and I have these conversations daily where we have to really kind of, you know, kind of bring them back down to earth and kind of say, realistically, this is just about you know, the alignment, you know, how does your skills and qualifications that you're presenting through your application and through your resume align to that job description? And let's create that alignment, you know, and, and I think that's what you did here is, is not, not just make it so overly complicated. You have to meet every single word and the exact same phrase and, you know, everything has to be super, super concrete. And, you know, no, it's just, it's just about, uh, you know, trying to make sure that you're sh demonstrating through that document that, um, that, you know, you're qualified. So I love it. Um, now one of the things though, that I think is probably worth noting as we're talking about applicant tracking systems is that very common practice, unfortunately <laughs> for many young people is to hop on Google and grab just any old template that they find and use that to apply to different jobs. And then they're like, you know, wait a minute, you know, why is this not working for me? And then, <laughs> you know, Cassie and I are looking at these things going, wow, okay, this could be a little bit of a problem here. Uh, you know, <laughs> pictures on the resumes, huge graphics, uh, a ton of real estate not being used. So all of these kind of things that come with those really, really elaborate flashy designs. So can you talk a, a little bit about templates and, you know, really, are there are there templates out there that, that oh, we can absolutely. trust and can use? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about this. Um, yes, there are templates you can trust. Uh, so they come from this company called Let's Eat Grandma. So you want to go to letseatgrandma.com. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Plug, plug, plug. Like, sorry. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no, I'm yes. just kidding. Um, there, yeah, so, so what you basically want to look for in a template that you can trust, Mike, my company does sell templates, and I do mention that just to say that, like, using a template inherently is not a bad idea, you know, um, especially for some people who aren't as familiar with Microsoft Word or don't have, like, an eye for design. Y using a template just in general <clears throat> right. is not, you know, that's like not like a blanket no-go. Um, there are good templates out there, um, but what you want to look for, what you want to look for, for starters, is just kind of getting in the right mindset of a template. Um, you want to use a template as a guide. Right. As you said, Brad, you know, a template's not going to um, do all the work for you. It's not going to be a magic bullet. Um, it's especially not going to do that with standing out. Um, no matter how cool the template looks, if you found it on the first page of Google, a recruiter has seen it at least 300 times. Like <laughs> recruiters will tell you, <laughs> recruiters will tell you don't don't think yes, you're going to stand out with a template that you found online because a lot of other people have found it. Yeah. yeah right. Um, but yeah, really what you want to watch so out for is, as, as you guys said, um, <clears throat> watching out for the fancy templates. Um, so you want to stick to, when you're looking for templates, uh, you want to stick to one column. Uh, you want to stick to no images, um, something that drives me crazy. A lot of the free templates out there have a space for a headshot. Um, don't ever include your headshot on a resume. Um, that's <laughs> it's just not a good idea. Any career coach no. or resume writer will tell you that. Um, so not, you don't look for um, pictures. Same thing with graphics, kind of infographics. Um, and I'll get to why in a second. Um, 
you want to look for, yeah, basically just look out for um, visual elements, as well as the amount of space that they allow for professional experience. Um, oftentimes when you see, you know, these big infographic resumes, they've got like picture, you know, and then skills and then you know, a column that's like maybe a quarter of the page, it's like professional experience and you have room for like two bullet points. Like, no, you don't want that. You know, <laughs> your professional experience is the bulk right. of your resume. You want to make sure there's plenty of room for that. Um, right. And so the reason I yeah. say all of that um, with, so with columns, graphics, and plenty of room for experience um, is one for the ATS. Um, so, so, you know, the, the first point is that Applicant tracking systems, they've gotten much more advanced in recent years. So again, don't freak out about this, but um, typically speaking, it's going to have a harder time parsing text that is in a graphic element. Um, so if you are if you have text that's in a chart mm -hmm. or a graph or in any kind of image file, um, it's entirely possible that the ATS will not parse that text, which means it's entirely possible it might not come and recruit your search results, which again, you know, hinders your chances of, of being prioritized a little bit. Um, so mm -hmm. you want to make a clean design for the ATS, but I actually say more importantly, you want a clean design for a human too. Um, again, <laughs> recruiters, <laughs> generally speaking, as we said, on the initial scan, recruiters are going through dozens or hundreds of resumes. They're not really concerned with how cool it looks. Um, you do want to stand out, um, but you do that with your content, not with your design. Um, I would say, yeah. ask almost any recruiter, I would say, you know, probably nine out of 10 of them will tell you they just want your resume to be easy to read. You know, they don't care if it has like an infographic over here and then like a timeline running through the middle. They'd be like, oh, that's kind of neat. But hold on a second. Where's their education section? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where are the bullet points? Um, they don't want to have mm -hmm. to. You know, we've all seen the statistics. Recruiters can spend as little as, you know, a few seconds to 30 seconds on a resume. They don't want to spend that time digging through, mm -hmm. you know, your qualifications to find what they want to find. They want your qualifications just clearly, simply listed. Um, so, yeah, I would say prioritize that. Um, generally speaking, you don't want to, like standing out is a good goal. Yes, you want to stand out. Um, but the way you stand out is with your content. You know, they'll be much more impressed if you have... A resume design that might not be as flashy as the next person, um, but if you have tangible accomplishments, tangible accomplishments um, with metrics, with results, where you're really showing your impact and how it aligns to the job, you have um, good phrasing with strong active verbs and unique adjectives, no cliches, you know, like motivated individual. Those are the kinds of things that make you stand out. Great. So true about the, the content is what makes you stand out. And I think so often, I'm sure both of you have seen this. I know I have, um, that sometimes like standing out with those graphic elements or designs can be the reason you don't get picked. Like it doesn't matter how, how great the experience is or whatever. It's like, oh, cool. A star border. Like, nope, this is an accounting position, <laughs> um, or whatever the position may be, you know, um, I feel like anytime I've had friends who are like looking through resumes when they see some, I'm putting fun in air quotes, like fun designs. They're like, Cassie, look at this. And like sending me a, a little snippet of the yes. resume. Um, so it can really work against you to try and be like super creative and imaginative um, with your resume there. But I feel like we've covered a lot of really great tips around resumes and optimizing resumes and a lot of times a job is going to ask for a cover letter too. So can you give us just like a little quick snippet into the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to writing a cover letter? Yeah. 
um, I would say, so the biggest mistakes people make with cover letters, uh, aside from not writing one, um, I would say it's writing a cover letter that just restates your resume. Yeah, it's, it's, I, you guys probably feel me here. There's a lot of hype out there of like, oh, cover letters are dead. Nobody reads cover letters. It's not entirely true. First, if the job posting asks mm-hmm. for a cover letter, you write a cover letter. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they'll reject your application if you didn't include I, everything they asked yes. for. Um, but even if it doesn't, um, part of this is really understanding what cover letters are meant for. Um, when people say, oh, recruiters skip over cover letters, um, I usually say, yeah, of course they do. Um, they're not meant for the initial scan. They're not meant, cover letters are not meant for the initial scan. Cover letters are mm-hmm. meant to convince the hiring manager, you know, the next stage after the recruiter, who might be on the fence about your resume compared to another good resume, right? So that's what I see the biggest mistake people make with cover letters is kind of phoning it in and just saying the same things that are on your resume. Um, cover letter is a way different document. Use the advantages you have on the cover letter. Use the full sentences, the first person narrative, and your own voice to really tell your story. You know, tell stories that expand on the accomplishments from your resume. Say you have a really good story about your internship last summer, um, and you're like, oh, darn, I can only fit this into, you know, one bullet point here. Well, that's a great candidate for a story that you can elaborate more on your cover letter. Tell more of the context. You know, what did you learn in this internship? How did your project really change the company? You know, um, and, and talk about your professional philosophy, your values. And show how they align with the companies because that shows that you've done your research on them and you really want to work for them too um so yeah really really hammer home um yeah those kind of soft skills and the more intangible qualities and your personal narrative in your cover letter that makes that it's something that means that you'll make something that supplements your resume instead of just redoing it we like to say if if the resume is the cover if the, if the resume is the peanut butter, you know, make your cover letter the jelly. Yeah. And, and it's, I loved every point that you made there, uh, particularly about the story, because I think your, your resume has such a, a wonderful ability to communicate the, what, the, how, the, where, um, of, you know, your work history and, you know, the accomplishments that you have, but it can't always communicate the why. And I think that's where your story can kind of come in. And so I love that. And I'm glad that you promote because I, I've heard the same things. I've had so many, so many, um, you know, recruiters or, or just different people in general kind of say, oh, it's dead. Nobody reads it and, and so forth. But I still promote nice. it to the high heavens. So. <laughs> I, I always say, like, I believe in cover letters. That's, that's what I tell my students. And I think, too, a lot of my students will say things like, well, it says cover letter optional. And then yeah. we have a quick discussion on, like, okay, but if, if only 10 people <laughs> exactly. write them, who do you think they're going to start with once they get through that initial scan? And, like, does that show that you'll take initiative and do something that's optional before you even have the job? So I think so many benefits can come from writing <clears throat> one. Exactly. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Every opportunity that you have to, um, to improve your candidacy in any way, I think is, is worth doing. So, you know, take those, take those extra couple of steps. So Daniel, you know, you've provided so much valuable content today. So, uh, appreciate everything that you delivered on today. We have one final question for you, which is something that we ask every guest, which is, you know, if you could go back in time and, and tell the Daniel, uh, you know, from years ago when he was just venturing in and starting his journey, um, you know, a valuable piece of career advice. What is, you know, something that, that you wish that you knew yeah, when you were starting man. out? 
I would tell my former self um, just to stay open, right? I think, and I think that's probably a common theme that will hopefully resonate with a lot of um, listeners right now is that just stay open to what your first job out of college could be. Um, I changed my mind so many times in college. I entered as a classical music major and I said, I didn't want to do that. And then went to a journalism major and then ended up doing service in a homeless shelter, you know, um, I changed my mind a lot of times and I eventually ended up in something I really love. Um, don't be afraid if, you know, your first job out of college doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be exactly what you're looking for. I think we get into this kind of, we can kind of carry this like overachiever mindset from school of like, oh, I really have to get the best GPA. I have to be in all the clubs. We can carry that over into the professional world. Like I have to get the perfect first job. And you absolutely don't. <laughs> Your first job is going to teach you so much, no matter what it is. And over the course of a couple of years, you're really going to find something that you love. Love that. Daniel, where can our listeners find you and follow you? And <laughs> So first, you can, um, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at, at let's eat comma grandma. Um, the comma is just spelled out the word comma in there. Um, the link will be in the show notes. Um, there'll also be a link there for um, our website is letseatgrandma.com. You can go to letseatgrandma.com backslash GPS, um, which is like a special landing page for listeners of this show. Um, you can also feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm just Daniel Lorenzo. Uh, you can feel free to connect with me there if you have any other questions. Um, and I encourage you as you're checking out our website, checking out that landing page. Um, if you do want to work with us um, as a resume writer, um, we have downloadable products that are meant especially for recent grads. Um, they start at just $25. So if you want to work with a resume writer, don't let uh, price necessarily be a barrier to you. I appreciate all of those things. And yes, absolutely access those resources. I mean, I, I think um, they're, they're plentiful. You just have to take advantage of them. So, so again, Daniel, we just want to say thank you. Appreciate so much you clearing up a lot of these things. And I think uh, the biggest take home is really simplifying, you know, this process and, and really not making it feel quite so intimidating uh, for our listeners. So we really appreciate all of that. So we want you to stay tuned. We have some incredible content that's going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. We have um, just, we've been riding high. We've had so many incredible guests the last couple of weeks um, that we're just uh, floating here on cloud nine. So it's going to continue. Uh, so we're just going to keep um, keep plugging away. So thank you again. This is your career GPS and your journey awaits. <laughs> <laughs>